What's up guys, Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Farmers Insurance Open. And before we jump into the preview, just a few housekeeping items. First off, getting set up in the new digs, right? Looking good. Background looks a little different. Hopefully you enjoy the improvements. Uh, otherwise, last week was uh, really great. I know there were a ton of Patrick Cantlay tickets out there. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, many of you, like I did, backed it up with a top five or with an each way, something like that. He tried to steal that event away from Siwoo Kim, and I did get a lot of winning bets sent to me. I got a lot of lineups sent to me, and as I like to do from time to time is call some of these out uh, because I think they're worth recognition, and I think it's you know a little motivation for everybody else to be able to celebrate the community just a little bit, and the two that stood out to me for this week was Ryan, who turned his 12 dollars into $339 through a combination of uh, core cascading, which is a strategy that I have a video on. I will link it uh, right here. And then also, um, you know, the, the dime time and the quarter arcade taking advantage of those. He won the dime time. That's a 10 cent entry fee. And I think that uh, especially for whether they're newcomers or people who are building a bankroll, I think that's a really good way to go about doing it. So congratulations to Ryan. And then Randy sent me a nice email, uh, you know, turned his $5 single entry into $1,000. So uh, by winning it, by winning that event. So I think my bigger my bigger story here is no matter your bankroll, no matter uh, what your playing level is, there are contests for you. There are opportunities to get great ROIs like we saw this week. Uh, you know, play within your means, all that good stuff. So those were two I really wanted to shout out. Congratulations, guys. And congratulations to uh, Paul and Spaz Golfer who won subscriptions to RickRunGood.com last, uh, last week. If you would like to uh, enter a draw to win access to RickRunGood.com, join the community try to try to get your name into these uh winning shout outs or at least just look at the data and have a great time uh there are two ways to do so so for this week if you're here on youtube uh, like and make sure you are subscribed uh, to the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. Like this video and comment below with your favorite golfer under $8,000 this week. That's right. We are going for value. The other way and the easier way to win because less people do it, go drop a five-star rating and review on iTunes for the podcast version of this show. It's called 300 Yards to Unknown. I will link it in the description. Takes you 10 seconds and it's a much easier way to win this draw. Uh, you do both of those, you get two entries. And then finally, this is it. Uh, I promise. Then we'll get to the DFS video. Uh, two live chats this week, as we do every week. The uh, Wednesday live chat, 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. That is for your ownership. Uh, any potential weather concerns, which I don't think are going to be an issue this week. Uh, question and answer, all that good stuff uh, that we can go through on Wednesday. And then Wednesday evening, 8.15 p.m. Eastern time, Joe Idoni and myself doing another jock market power hour. This thing is absolutely wild. If you have not joined Jock Market yet, highly encourage you to do so. It is literally investing in athletes and golfers as if they are stocks for the course of a tournament. It's unbelievable. It is fun. There is a ton of ROI uh, to, to out there. There are guys who are literally returning five, eight, ten times value uh, or ten times their price over the course of just four days. It's a lot of fun. It's catching on. A lot of people are playing. It is going to be the next big thing, uh, and I hope you join us for that. Okay. I love Tori.
One of my favorite places in the world. Let's get to it. All right, let's dive into it for this week. And uh, obviously everything you see on this video will be available and is available on rickrungood.com. Hoping to do probably one more uh, refresh this week. So you're going to start to see some of these, you know, um, uh, banners at the top that say, hey, if you're running into any issues, things are still kind of uh, in beta. You're, you're going to start to see those banners removed. Um I made a couple of mistakes in over-automating a lot of things in the first couple of weeks uh, trying to outsmart myself. You guys didn't notice anything, but uh, it was more difficult to refresh on my end, something I fixed moving forward. But anyway, this week, Tory Pines, uh, one of my favorite places on earth. You get two courses, so we're going to get the same two-course rotation uh, that we had last week at the American Express. So the north course and the south course at Tory Pines. The south course, that's the one you probably all know. That's the one in the video games. That's the one that's held, uh, played host to the U.S. Open and will play host to it again this year. And um, that's the one that is going to be for three rounds this week. So all golfers will play one round on the north, one round on the south. They'll make a cut and they will go uh, to the weekend on the south course. And historically, the north course has been kind of a, a, a rollover. Right. I mean, it's it's been an easy course, but not as easy anymore. There was a redesign uh, a few years ago, and now they actually have a three hole stretch called the Undertow, which I've played. It's very difficult and it's one of the most difficult three hole stretches on the PGA Tour. So the North course is no longer just a little cupcake uh, that you used to get. It is more difficult. But both courses together, especially the south course, um, you have to play it out of the fairway. I mean, the, the rough is going to be thick. The The way that Mark Leishman won it last year is rare. Uh, you're not supposed to be able to miss all those fairways, uh, gouge it out to the green, and make a bunch of putts. You're not supposed to be able to do that. And then speaking of putting, uh, we're back on Poana. So, so remember, this surface uh, actually grows throughout the day. It buds. It, it makes for a really bumpy experience, especially late in the day. Combine that with the speed of the greens and some of the real awkward nuances that you get at Torrey Pines. Expect some five-footers to be missed, okay? Especially in the afternoon waves you're going to see some short putts missed. Uh, it just tends to happen here. I mean, there, it, everything, you know, it looks like, obviously everything should go to the water. Uh, it doesn't look like that when you're trying to read some of these greens. It's confusing. And then you get the buds from, from the Poana and you are, uh, you're, in, you're in trouble. Uh, so anyway, the other thing that we need to talk about besides the course itself is how consistent this course is. Uh, it, it generally plays the same. Uh, year in and year out. The field strength is usually pretty similar, and it's one of the strongest course history courses. So what you're going to notice when we flip over to the cheat sheet is that uh, guys who have success here seem to have success every single year, and guys that struggle seem to struggle every year. Uh, it is one of the strongest correlators in terms of year-over-year -year course history to itself that we get on the PGA Tour. So keep that in mind. I'll point out a couple of names when we get over to the cheat sheet. So with all that being said, it's a big park. You got to hit it far. Uh, you got to keep it in the fairway. That is usually the recipe for success. And when we've been running uh, the model, this is the model that I run every single week, every single course on the PGA Tour. The, the top two most important stats are mm, just chef's kiss sublime. Strokes gain putting 
the most important stat here. There are 13 courses uh, on the PGA Tour where strokes gained putting is more important than Torrey Pines, but strokes gained putting has been the strongest correlator to success over the years here. Uh, and those are good putters. Not Again, I'm not talking about the week that they won they gained a lot of strokes putting. Of course they did. That happens every year. That's not a, that would be a silly model to run. This looks at player profiles and, and types of golfers and good putters, dare I say great putters, have success at this event. And it's for all the reasons I outlined earlier with the greens and the complex and all that stuff. The next stat, driving accuracy. No surprise. I've tried to gouge it out of the rough at Torrey Pines. It's a half a shot penalty. It's it's very difficult. Uh, I have to advance it with a wedge. Obviously, the pros can do much better than I can, uh, but it is it is a really tricky situation if you're constantly playing out of the rough. And then birdie or better percentage and strokes gain total are the next two correlators, which shouldn't be much of a surprise. The biggest surprise is that strokes gain approach is actually 33rd. It's actually the least most... The least important, most common stat, I guess, is the way that I want to put it. Uh, Still very important. 33 out of 50 courses that we regularly get on the PGA Tour. But uh, these other stats up the way are much more important. So where do we go? Who are the putters? Uh, This this tool right here, this is probably going to look a little bit different in a couple of weeks. But... um, what, it, what it's doing now is essentially a blend of the last two seasons, 2020 season, 2021 season, because I didn't want to have uh, the small sample size of 2021 kind of mess with this, but this is going to change. But here we go. Sh- sh- uh, strokes gain putting. Uh, the guys that putt really well. Well, Coke Rack has been an animal this season. Uh, Peter Malnati, same thing. The, the names that you might consider are like Xander Shoffley, who we have a lot of, t- uh, of, of oxygen to spend on Xander Shoffley this week. Patrick Reed is up there near the top. Charles Howe third. Great putter also plays this stretch of golf from, um, you know, to, from Wiley to the American Express to uh, this week at Farm. This is usually a good stretch of golf for Charles Howe III. And then Cameron Smith kind of rounds out some of the names that you might be interested in that are good putters. And then we're going to look at uh, driving accuracy because, of course, um, that's going to be important this week. James Hahn. Very interesting name. He has gained strokes in all four major categories. He's having a great 2021 season. He is uh, the most accurate driver of the of the ball golf ball in this field. A little bit of a small sample size issue with him, but not too concerned about it. And then John Ha is second. Corey Connors is a name that you might consider. Scotty Scheffler, a name that you might consider near the top of the list as well. So those are the types of golfers that I'm looking for. Let's hang over to the uh, cheat sheet here and actually talk some specifics. All right, five golfers over $10,000. John Rahm leads the way yet again, second straight week, uh, but no WD this week, at least not yet, knock on wood. John Rahm, 11,300. Remember, he was 11,500 last week before he WD'd and then Patrick Cantlay became the favorite, Uh, but he headlines this field. And uh, I I have to admit, there are an awful lot of question marks in the 10K range. The John Rahm question mark is much smaller than others. You know, he had an injury last week. I don't want to put it in quotes. It's actually an injury that uh, he said if he needed to, he could have played through it. I think he kind of just tweaked something while he was working out at home. Wasn't a big deal. He just thought, you know what? I'm going to take one more week. I'll go to Torrey Pines. All good. 
So that's the tiniest of question marks around John Rom. Otherwise, he has been absolutely phenomenal at this event. A win, a second, a fifth, and a 29th. Four trips, no worse than 29th with a trophy. You absolutely can't beat it. Uh, then you get a lot of question marks with Rory, Finau, Chef, uh, Xander Shoffley, and then I don't know if you want to lump Patrick Reed into the question marks thing. I, I guess you could. But here, here's the thing with Rory, and, and, and I think my decision in the 10K range is really going to be decided by ownership. Uh, I think that's going to play a huge part into it because I think you're going to see some guys that are toxic and I think you're going to see some guys that are beloved here. And I don't know where Rory falls yet. So so Wednesday, the live chat, 3 p.m. Eastern time, we'll check it out. But uh, for me, what I saw from Rory last week, and he played in he played in Dubai and he played um, in a European tour event with a, 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 a I mean, it was a, Pretty stacked field, stout field. Uh, Terrell Hatton won it. Rory finished third. And Rory, for two days, shot the round of the day. The other two, he was even par 72, and he falls short. Uh, When I was watching, I saw uh, a bit of Jekyll and Hyde, a bit of... Uh, dazzle, dazzling approach shots, which is the one thing that has held him back, and then a lot of subpar play as well. So that's a big question mark with Rory. He's only played here twice. He's top five to both of them. I think Rory's in for a big 2021. I would probably prefer him at a $300 discount off of John Rahm and probably assuming that his ownership doesn't touch John Rahm. I, would, I think on Wednesday we're going to have this conversation where Rory ends up being my guy. Finau has plenty of question marks because he just con- continues to not be able to close out uh, golf tournaments. He's, he's had a lot of great success here, but uh, it's, it's really hard to back a guy that tends to fall apart or at least not pull it off every Sunday. And then Xander Shoffley, here, here, this is the big one. This is the really, really big one. Xander's going to be the guy that either wins you all the money or loses you all your entries this week. I don't know which one. But we're going to find out. Um, I'm going to pull up the, the golfer profiles here because I want to deep dive into uh, into Xander just a bit here. So let's pull up Xander. And uh, oh, look at that. That's a great shot. Actually, before I do that, look at this great Siwoo headshot from, from, uh, that I have. Look at that. That guy's a hero. Look at this hero shot. It's beautiful. I love it. Xander, let's pull him up, has been on an unbelievable stretch of golf. I mean, look at his metrics. Year-by-year breakdown. Uh, These are all of his measured rounds. He's been phenomenal. He's getting better. Look at this. Every single year, tee to green, uh, year-over-year getting better, currently in the midst of his best season ever. Of course, only 16 measured rounds in. Uh, You look at some of his fantasy returns, and he goes goes 12.5 times value at the Tournament of Champions, 11.5 at the CJ Cup. That's an event he probably should have won. But he rarely, rarely disappoints. I mean, look at it's just unbelievable. Whatever metric you want to look at, Xander's been phenomenal. Uh, he has not missed a cut, if I'm reading this correctly, since this event last year, which has been the bugaboo. This one event. Like, the guys missed. There was such a good stat. Will Haskett tweeted something out just a couple of minutes ago. It was something like, 19% of his career missed cuts are at this event. Like something wild like that. The guy doesn't miss cuts. He's been on an unbelievable run, but he's played here five times, I want to say. Yeah, five times. He has a T25 and four missed cuts. He's played here a bunch. 
He went to Torrey Pines High School. He's from the area. He just, he just can. I don't know what it is. If he comes home, he has other obligations. I don't know, but he hasn't been able to figure it out. So you're making, uh, you know, I, I, I made this argument that Torrey Pines year over year is a course that you either thrive at or you do not. It's hard for guys to flip the switch in either direction. So Xander's probably gonna have to be a fade for me now. If he's like seven percent owned, like on Wednesday, I, I, I'll I'll figure something else out. But but right now, that's a bit concerning. And 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 when I talk about consistency, you can kind of look through some of this. You know, Charles Howe the uh, third down here. You know, uh, four top twenties in a row. Then you look at someone like Ricky Fowler, who has five. Uh, his last five events, he's missed four cuts and he's finished 66. You either see a lot of red or you see a lot of green in the tournament history. That's why I, I say it's a very consistent event. It's a very consistent event year over year. The 9K range is pretty interesting. You know, Harris English leads it off. He's $9,800. He finishes 32nd at the Sony, which is, in all honesty, a pretty good finish coming coming off your first victory in seven plus years. So he's back at it this week. He's had a couple of good finishes at the farmers before. I think that's a solid play at 9,800. The, the interesting plays are Brooks. Brooks is 94. We're getting pretty close to me being back on Brooks. I think Uh, I will tell you, I've actually already got a bet in on him, Uh, but I got him at a longer number than, than this and how I would kind of translate it to his DraftKings number. So um, at 9,400, I'm lukewarm on it at the number I got him, which I think was like 38 to one. I'm, I'm, I I love that much more, especially because you have, you know, Brooks's win equity uh, is a lot more than a lot of these other guys, but in fantasy purposes, you got to kind of put it all together. It's just, it's just kind of weird. So, so I get addressed or I get uh, a, a bit, immersed with, with, with Victor Hovland. He wins Mayakoba, doesn't play all that well at the Tournament of Champions. And I want to pull up his, actually, his profile here because at least with Hovland, uh, you kind of know exactly what you're getting, right? Oh, look, his, his Oklahoma State headshot. That's great. Um, you know, he's an absolutely phenomenal ball striker. I mean, anytime you are uh, at a, a stroke off the tee in the positive, a stroke on approach, he did that in 2019. 2020, uh, he was basically 1. 1.1, 1.2 combined in those two categories. Really legit stuff. Now, the issues right here. It's the short game. It's the putter. It's the around the green game. Uh, and that concerns me at Torrey Pines. Uh, I, I mentioned, you know, it takes a level of experience uh, on these Poana greens, on reading these nuances. Uh, we know the, sh- the short game is not necessarily his strong suit, but look at his distribution of results. I, I mean, the guy has been super solid. Rarely will will bomb, right? Will rarely bomb. Uh, his his upside might be capped to a couple of times a year, but but this is a really good distribution for him, really solid. And you have to be in the fairway, and the longer you are, the better, which makes Hovland super interesting to me. Uh, I'm dying to see what the Wolf and Scheffler ownership numbers are. Uh, uh, Scheffler especially, who was one of the most popular golfers in all formats last week, missing the cut, and he's played here once, and he missed the cut. No idea what the industry is going to do. I That number, his ownership could come in really low. I'm interested if it does. Those are two guys I'm going to keep an eye on over the course of the week. Uh, the $8,000 range, you know, you get a couple of uh, course history guys. You get the past champion and Mark Leishman, who I will not be investing in. You get uh, Jason Day, Cam Smith, Adam Scott, literally every Aussie in the, Aussie in the field 
is in here. Uh, Adam Scott's interesting. I don't want to uh, tease the 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 betting preview that's going to come out tomorrow, but I guess I will. Uh, so I ran the simulation uh, for this week, and I'm and I'm really loving this tournament predictor tool. I, I'm honing it in each and every week. I started with 250 simulations, then I went to 500. This week I've got a thousand simulations, and the best value that I could find is Adam Scott. I have him winning this golf tournament 4.6% of the time at 45 to 1. That's about twice as often as odds makers would want you to believe. And of course, because the odds so closely, uh, or, or the DraftKings salaries uh, so closely resemble the, the outright odds, that also would indicate that $8,300 is probably too cheap for Adam Scott. Um the thing with him is he does not have a lot of recent data to pump into the model. Uh, but when he's played, obviously he's played well at times and he showed the upside at the Genesis that helps in a big way. He's played this event once in the last five years, second place finish two years ago. So that would be my circle. That would be my target. And then along with the other guys in the bottom of the eight K range, Ryan Palmer, can I bring up his, um, his player profile real quickly? Because he has been phenomenal. And, I, and I've been mentioning this as, as, as early and often as I can. He's a 10 times value machine. You know, looking at his last, let's just run through these, couple of starts. Nine times value, 20, 18, 12, 12, three at the U.S. Open, really bad place for him. 12 at the, tournament, at the Tour Championship, five. And then he goes 13, 11, 10, 13. I mean, he's just almost every single week getting you 10 times value, sitting in the low eights. He's had a lot of good success around Torrey Pines, which you wouldn't think he would because he's not a long hitter, but he's accurate. He's played it three times in the last three years, second, 13th, and then 21st. But that 21st last year, if you remember correctly, um, I'm pretty sure he was in the final group. I think he was in the final group on Sunday, did not play well on Sunday and fell to T21, but I'd argue he played better than that that week. So Palmer is a guy I'm really interested in. And then I'm just loading up on guys at the bottom of the eights. Uh, Will Zalatoris is here. It, it is, I believe, officially Will Zalatoris season. Um, he is just an up and coming star by, by all metrics that we have from the corn Ferry, He was dominant. I mean, he had 11 straight top 20s, I believe, which was a Corn Ferry Tour record. Uh, he did not slow down when he played a little bit on the PGA Tour in the fall. He had three top 10s, including the U.S. Open. He's He, he is arguably, he could possibly be a top 25 player in the world right now. Uh, obviously, he doesn't have the strength of schedule and the uh, enough events to kind of make that happen. It's possible he's a top 25 player. And if he is a top 25 player, then 8,100 is much too cheap. So we're going to find out what Will Zalatoris is. Super bullish long-term. Uh, we'll see what he does. We'll see what he does this week. Down into the 7K range. Um, this is where things get a little bit interesting. Cam Davis, if you've been following along, you know I love this kid. He's, he's absolutely phenomenal. He's $7,900, all the raw talent in the world. I play him all the time. Uh, and it paid off in a big way last week at the American Express with his third place finish. I'm pumping the brakes for a minute. Uh, I... I bullish long-term bearish this week. And the reason for that is he gained like five and a half strokes putting last week. I think he was fourth best in the field. That number's coming down. He's usually about an average and neutral putter. Uh, he plays, he puts very close to zero most weeks. So for him to gain like five and a half over four days, that's probably coming down. And then he holds out for Eagle once, which obviously, uh, you know, holding out from the fairway, a hundred, and I don't know what he was, 50 yards out is both luck and skill. 
uh, obviously skill to hit it very close and luck for it to somehow drop. So when you look at those two things, those are two pretty lucky things to happen to him over the course of 72 holes. And I think he's now on a lot of more people's radar. He's still under $8,000 and I'm going to have to be out this week. Uh, I mean, I hope, I hope he proves me wrong. He's, he's phenomenal, but that's, that's a bit scary. Uh, Gary Woodland is here as well. 7,800 and, and Woodland, if we're giving him a pass for just being hurt, which I think we should, his results were probably because of the injury that he had, the torn labrum. And if we think he's healthy now, we kind of have to be interested in this. You know, he goes out, finishes, what, 16th last week at the American Express. Uh, this is a, a course that he's had a lot of good success at. He's got four top 20 finishes in the last five years. He is accurate and long off the tee when he's in his really good Gary Woodland form. So um, that's interesting. And then who, 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 what other suckers with me uh, are going to be on, on Sam Burns? Uh, obviously, he's one of the most popular golfers on the planet last week. He, he, Goes out and shoots, I think, like a 77 in round one. It's over. It's over on Thursday. Bounces back with a 66 on Friday. That's the Sam Burns we were looking for. Really good round. I think he made an eagle at one point as well. So um, if we say he just had to shake off the rust in his first round in over two months, then Sam Burns is someone we should probably consider this week. I don't know if it's a great fit for him, but I'll be keeping a close eye on Sam Burns moving forward. Um, Jordan Spieth is here. Yeah, we got to talk about Jordan Spieth again, and I guess let's let's pull up his profile. We are closing in on a year. Uh, Pebble Beach was his last top ten for Jordan Spieth, and obviously it's been what three and a half years since um, since he claimed victory last, and it's all right here. Uh, the thing that he lost is off the tee and approach. Uh, you know, his, his short game is still spectacular. He doesn't have the magic putter that he used to, but he's really just punted strokes to the field almost every single round off the tee. And I, I know that that's the one thing that he's been working to get through. He's been going through swing changes. There's a chance he's at rock bottom, which is sometimes what you have to hit to, to kind of get back to all of this. Um, but you, you look at, you know, how many strokes he has lost to the field over, over, the last 12, 18, even, I don't know, call it 24 months. It's pretty scary. But the argument for rostering Jordan Spieth, and I also thought this way at Colonial too, which is I think you want to get Spieth off of long layoffs. There is so much wrong with his game that you want to get it after he's been grinding, he's been working on, he's got it on film, not playing in competition every single week where things just kind of get gradually worse every single week. So... I think the I think you either play him now or you never play him. And then also I I also do kind of believe that compared to his peers, you know, if if Jordan Spieth even gets back to 60% of 2015 Jordan Spieth, which I know was like historic, but like 2017 Jordan Spieth, right? 60% of that. He has more upside than basically every single guy who's priced near him, right? That's, that's the argument. Um, so we'll see someone. I obviously want to keep a close eye on over the course of, uh, the next year, but, but it's, it's really such a phenomenal thing that's going on with him. Uh, the bottom of the sevens are a little bit scary. You know, Doug Gim, um, who burned everybody two weeks ago and, and bounced back last week, played well. He's, he's here in this range. He has a, uh, 
a top 20 here two years ago. Um, I would probably look back at, at, at John Hahn and, and James Hahn. Those are two guys that interest me in the bottom of the sevens. And then jumping down into the sixes, you know, Kevin Streelman uh, is always kind of interesting in these situations where, where you are reliant on uh, ball striking uh, and a guy who can pop. That is literally Kevin Streelman. He's, he's done it here in the past, right? He had a third place finish in, in 16, missed the cut in 19. He's got a couple of other kind of middle finishes since then. Um, ball striking and ability to pop off is something that you cannot always find in the $6,000 range. So he would be one of those guys that certainly interests me. Uh, we saw Tyler Duncan for most of the week last week play pretty well. Uh, he ended up finishing 56, but now he's got two consecutive cuts in a row after missing three. Um, I wouldn't be thrilled to go down to Tyler Duncan at $6,500, but I've done, I've done worse things. And before we get out of here, uh, let's run a custom model. So I've got the, the new, uh, I've got all the stats loaded in. Uh, so this week, what do we know? Well, we know strokes game putting is really important and I'm going to weigh it as if it is. And this is out of character for me. Uh, I know that accuracy is important. I'm going to give that 25 weights. I'm going to give distance a little bit as well, because uh, obviously I'd prefer you to be long. And then uh, let's do 15 on birdie or better. And I've got 10 left over and I'm a sucker for, uh, well, off the tee, I've already got distance and accuracy. I could do approach, but I've already learned that that is actually the, the, least valuable of all the common stats. So maybe I will do, could I do around the green? I, I mean, Tori's, you get some super awkward, difficult spots there. So this model, before I even check the results, uh, this is very anti-Rick, right? I mean, this is, this is team short game, which, which scares me. Let's see what the results are. Oh, also, by the way, I had this accidentally defaulted into alphabetical. Uh, if you just click score, you can change. These are all sortable. So somewhat, I got like a couple of emails that were like, oh my God, the, the, the custom model isn't working. Yeah, just click score. No big deal. Uh, all right. My top golfer, John Rahm. Probably shouldn't be surprised about that. Harris English number two. That is interesting. <laughs> Sander. Oh, Xander, number three. Um, interesting. I'm going to have to decide on that. Billy Horschel, four. That's a name I would not have got to. Sung J M is five. Uh, Christopher Ventura, six. Denny McCarthy, seven. Ricky Fowler, eight. Yeah, these are putters. My God, this is so scary. This is against every... This is... I'm having like, you know... I'm having shortness of breath looking at this list. It, 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 it It's crazy. These are... None of these guys I would have rostered. Well, I guess maybe Rom in English or whatever. Sung J. Let's look at Billy Horschel real quick, because really what I use this model for is to try to identify guys that my bias uh, would not have allowed me to. And uh, I have to admit, Billy Horschel's been really good. Seventh at Sony, 24th at the Tournament of Champions, fifth in Mayakoba. He's got two top tens here in the last five years. Uh, good putter. Maybe I should start considering Billy Horschel more often. And then I'll really have to make a decision on Xander, which um, will just come later in the week when, when ownership comes out. That'll do it. 
for the DFS preview for this week's Farmers Insurance Open, phenomenal event. Uh, bear with me on uh, some of these tool updates. You might see some things change or like, oh, that's weird, but the data should all be accurate, but I'm working on the back end stuff um, as I go through probably one more week of, of all this. Uh, but yeah, tweet me at Rick Rungood. Leave a comment below. Best of luck this week. See you out there.